0: When you realize that language is about communication, and it's not about this thing of getting it right or wrong, that's when everything changes. And that's when you can you could see that as long as you can understand most th- things or partially what people are saying and you can piece things together, as long as you can express yourself to a certain degree, then it becomes a lot more realistic.
1: Welcome to Jump Podcast, formerly known as The Budget-Minded Traveller, I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Welcome back to Jump. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope everybody had a nice 4th of July um, here in the US or wherever you are in the world. And uh, I want to take a moment to actually give a special shout out to the US women's national soccer team who just won the FIFA Women's World Cup over in France. If you don't know this about me, soccer was pretty much my first love and that love goes very deep. (laughs) I've played soccer my entire life. Um, I'm still part of an amazing adult soccer league uh, now here in Montana, and I've always had a special affinity for the U.S. women's team. In fact, fun story, when I was 19 and living in Costa Rica, the Women's Copa America was played in Costa Rica with uh, several countries from uh, North and Central America and I got to watch the U.S. women win that tournament. And the coolest part was that the final for that tournament, the final game, was in our tiny local stadium in Heredia, in Costa Rica. I will never forget that moment. I couldn't believe I was in Costa Rica <laughs> watching the U.S. women's soccer team in my home stadium. Oh, man, it was amazing. Um, so that was a tangent. But here's to the current U.S. women's team team. They were the only non-European team among the final eight teams, and they were the only ones to win it all. So it was so good. I hope you were watching and supporting the U.S. women. Okay, we are starting a kind of random series today. Um, This summer, I've actually traveled to a couple of conferences domestically. One uh, was called Craft and Commerce. That was in Boise, Idaho. That one is for online creators to come together and pretty much nerd out over business and make connections and have a good time, et cetera. The other was Outdoor Retailer, which takes place a few times a year in Denver, Colorado. And that's basically where the outdoor industry comes together and geeks out over gear and sustainability and adventure and all the things that make the wonderful outdoor industry go round. So I've met some pretty interesting people this summer who've actually inspired me to create this series on the podcast. Um, So I'm going to be inviting some of these people to tell their stories on the show. And that's what we're getting into. And just for the record, yes, they all have to do with travel. Uh, I hope that goes without saying. And I also hope that you find them as interesting as I do. And perhaps you'll learn a few things from these featured guests along the way. Our first guest for this series is Benny Lewis, and this is super cool because I actually followed Benny on Instagram before I met him at craft and commerce. Have you guys ever met anyone in real life that you are inspired by and, and whom you follow on social media? It's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing when that happens. And now is where I warn you. (laughs) The reason I followed Benny is because he is a self-proclaimed polyglot. And if you don't know what that means, a polyglot is someone who knows and uses multiple languages. So Is the light bulb going on yet? Ding, ding, ding. Nerd alert. Big time. I'm a polyglot too. You guys know this. So naturally I was immediately drawn to Benny and his quests to be able to communicate in so many languages. So it was fun to meet him in person. I actually, when I walked up to him, I I started speaking with him in Spanish when I introduced myself and he hardly batted an eyelash speaking it right back to me. So Benny, the Irish polyglot is our guest today. And yes, he has traveled and lived all over the world. And yes, he's also created a business out of it. Hence the reason he was at the online business creator conference. So um, I'm excited to get him on here so we can learn more about him and his stories. And I do have to say, as much as we've talked about language on this podcast, I have never had a conversation like the one that I'm about to have with Benny. And so I am looking forward to sharing that with you and I hope that you appreciate the perspective and the approach that Benny takes to language. I find it super inspiring and full of tips that are practical. His whole thing is becoming fluent in three months. And so we're going to get to learn what that is all about and how it works. Before we get into it with Benny today, I have a special announcement from our newest show sponsor, the one and only Osprey Packs. You guys know I've been using Osprey Packs for years. I've confessed my love for the Farpoint over and over, and I know a lot of you are now using it too. Well, guess what? Osprey has just come out with a brand new version of the Farpoint and Fairview. The Fairview, by the way, is the women's fit version. And it is the Farpoint and Fairview Trek. What does that mean, you ask? Well, they saw us taking our far points on the trails and struggling a bit due to a lack of a few key trail pack features and thought, hey, we can fix this. So they did. They created a far point in Fairview designed to go easily from city to trail. And I personally got to test this pack out just a couple months ago with Osprey in Patagonia so I can attest to its brilliance. The Trek versions still have a full front main compartment access via zipper, which is my personal single favorite feature on these packs. They also have a mesh panel for better ventilation against your back, easily adjustable suspension for a super comfortable carry, um, a hydration compartment for your water bladder. They have water bottle holders on both sides. Hip belt pockets plus an air cover, which doubles as a rain cover and a fully enclosed cover for in transit protection. It no longer comes with an attachable day pack, however, it is compatible with the Daylight series. And they just came out with the amazing Daylight Travel, which we'll have to save for later because I'm already out of time on this one. I love to nerd out about backpacks. You know, this. Go to osprey.com to see the entire new lineup. Also, spoiler alert. We're going to be giving away a Farpoint or a Fairview trek to one lucky winner out there. So make sure you're following my Instagram at @travelingjackie so you don't miss the news on that one. Our other supporting partner for today's episode is CashSwap, an innovative app which facilitates peer-to-peer foreign currency exchange at airports. Check this out. Using the app at any airport, You can enter what currency you have and what currency you need, and then you can see available swap connections and their ratings. And that means CashSwap makes safety a priority because this app has a similar profile setup to other apps that have user networks where you can rate your experiences, similar to couch surfing, for example. So you can see real photos of real people and their ratings based on past swap experiences. Um, The best part is that by using the app, you skip the exchange fees. It's 100% free to use the app and you receive the actual exchange rates as calculated in real time. So it's pretty cool that someone is finally challenging the outdated and expensive status quo of currency exchange in airports. That's CashSwap and you can learn more at CashSwapApp.com or find it on Google Play. They hope to be available on iOS soon. All right, let's take a trip into one of my favorite worlds, the world of languages. It's time to meet our guide Benny, the Irish polyglot. Benny, hello and welcome to my podcast. I appreciate you being here. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Yeah, no, I. It's funny. I was just, I was just mentioning how when I met you at the conference, um, I started out by speaking to you in Spanish, and I think that my ulterior motive for that was not to test you. But was to because I wanted immediately to let you know that it was okay to nerd out with me about language. (laughs) I feel like I love approaching people and speaking in a foreign language with them. And I figured you were the perfect person to do that with.
0: Yeah, I've um, I've enjoyed the process of becoming a polyglot over these uh, recent years and seeing that it's something a lot of people are passionate about, and especially the look on people's faces when you speak to them in their own language. I mean, yes. um, you know, uh, the, the old, uh, the old quote, if you speak to a man in uh, a language he understands that goes to his head, if you speak to him in his language, that goes to his heart from yes. Nelson Mandela.
1: Yes. I have heard that quote. I love that one. Also, there is one that I, that I've shared a whole bunch on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again. My favorite one is you live a new life for every language you speak. If you speak only one, you live only once.
0: Yep. Very true.
1: Yeah. I love that one too. So I just explained to everybody what a polyglot is so we can continue using that word so that everybody knows. Uh, My audience knows that I am also a a polyglot and that my favorite, one of my favorite things to talk about, you know, besides backpacks maybe is language. Um, And I actually recently had an entire series about gringos specifically who have managed to become fluent in a second or third or fourth language even. Um, You would have been a perfect guest for that series as well, but I didn't know you then. So here we are. And I think it would be appropriate to start by getting to know you just a bit. Um, So if you would do us the honor of letting us know who you are and where do you come from?
0: Sure. So I'm from Ireland. I originally studied electronic engineering, so it has nothing to do with languages. And I uh, decided to take a gap year after I graduated. And it ended up turning into what is currently uh, gap year 17. (laughs) uh, Since it's been almost two decades that I've been on the road now. Wow. And the uh, original place I went to was Spain. And I had this concept in my head that you just have to go to the country and just have to breathe the air. I had this idea that I would walk off the plane, inhale Spanish air and exhale (laughs) Castellano. You know, it would just happen magically. But unfortunately, after six months in Spain, I couldn't speak Spanish. I was protected in the English-speaking bubble. And I'm the kind of person I'm sure a lot of your listeners would relate to that I did not do that well in in languages in school. I'm I'm the technical guy, mathematics and all that. So I... um, initially thought that it's just my genes. That's the way it is. But I tried a little experiment where I avoided using English for an entire month. And that <laughs> forced me to have to use the pretty abysmal Spanish that I had. So Tarzan Spanish was effectively what I was uh, getting, getting getting around with. Okay. And after that month, I wasn't fluent. I hadn't mastered Spanish. But I realized something very crucial that I could communicate in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And for me, this was a moment that changed my entire concept of language learning, because before then, I saw it as an academic pursuit. And similar to my background in mathematics, you are either right or you're wrong. And if you conjugate the verb incorrectly, then you're wrong. You fail. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. this mentality is the one of the reasons I'd never really enjoyed languages in school and it's also one of the reasons i uh, struggled so much for those 6 months in spain to learn any spanish because i was so afraid to make those mistakes because the potential to make them uh, is just infinite but in this month i learned that making mistakes was the way to do it and i took that philosophy and i ran with it until i eventually got to much much higher level of spanish and then I continued that process with other languages as I traveled to other countries. And that's where my whole um, my blog and my YouTube videos mm-hmm. and all of this stuff came from. And it's uh, effectively I try to encourage other adults to get into language learning. I I, th- I try to mm-hmm. dismantle the whole concept that you have to be naturally talented with languages.
1: I love that. I really do, because You actually, I mean, you come from the other side of the coin from as, as me, you know, like I am the one who has the aptitude for language learning. And so it's, of of course, it's easy for someone like me to say, like, I, I can't so much relate to the people who don't get it, except that I'm not a math person. And so like, if I put myself in those shoes, yeah, of course the right or wrong thing. Like I, I'm just, I'm not seeing you on math or science Um, It's not my strong suit language is my thing. And so um, I love to see that you who comes from the other side, you know, have proven that it is also possible. And you said something a couple minutes ago or a minute ago, whatever, that I think is really going to ring true for a lot of people or at least just resonate with a lot of people out there. Is that you like if you conjugate a word wrong, you're just flat out wrong. Like it just doesn't work. Um, and that it's very interesting to me because communicating, of course, is different from being fluent. And the way that we, when we learn languages in school, we are taught that, it, that it's like, okay, this is how you say this one thing. This is how you say this other thing. And when you put those two sentences together, then you can have language, you know, but that's not right because it's it's like there would be one formula for every single person to speak. And that's not true. There are mm-hmm. multiple ways to say the exact same thing. Multiple, multiple ways to say the exact same thing. An example of this is that uh, well, once I was watching Game of Thrones in Spanish and whoever did the dubbing was different who did the the transcription, if you're following me. So what I was hearing was different from the subtitles. Everything was in Spanish, mm-hmm. but I, he- I heard one thing and I read another and it was like learning at double speed because I was, I, I mean, I'm understanding what's going on and I'm seeing two different ways to say it. But this is a really good example is it doesn't have to be exactly textbook by the book. I mean, of course there's grammar and you can be incorrect grammatically, but you can still communicate. You can still be creative with your words. I mean, that's poetry, you know, it's, it's yeah. putting different words together.
0: Exactly. And it's it's not I mean, even in that situation where you've got the uh, the dubbed and the subtitles, they would still be two versions of uh, perfectly correct language. But I think uh, for me, the biggest realization was to be okay with being a beginner, Mm because I know that a lot of people have this in mind that they want to be fluent. And I have reached fluency in multiple languages. But the only way I've got to that point is accepting being a beginner. And I think um, we are generally in such a hurry to to be that uh, person who can have, you know, intimate and very long and complex conversations about uh, philosophy or whatever, that we Mm. forget that you have to also enjoy the process of just slipping up and being being mm-hmm. proud of yourself when you're able to say what your name is, you know, yeah. in, in the language. Yeah. So that's that's kind of I, I learned to enjoy that process. And the biggest thing that changed for me was in that month in Spain, a uh, couple of weeks into the experiment of trying to use Spanish exclusively, I, I had just bought an electric toothbrush at the local supermarket and uh, I think it cost me 15 euros. And I used it for a day and then it broke. And mm. I I, I did not have a lot of money at the time. I really, 15 euro was, a, was so much to me and I was furious. So <laughs> without thinking, I grabbed the toothbrush and I stormed back to the supermarket, ready to get angry and say, I want a refund and everything. And when I walked up to one of the clerks, that's the moment when I realized, I don't know how to say toothbrush in Spanish. Mm. I don't know how to say broken in Spanish. I don't know how to say refund in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And the, But you know what? The emotion of the moment meant that none of that mattered. And I, I used my Tarzan Spanish and I said, máquina de dientes malo, you know, <laughs> yeah. machine of teeth bad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dinero, ida y vuelta. Money round trip. And and like it was utter, like it was utter confusion. But you know what? Like it's it's that was really bad Spanish. But the the thing that made me realize I was onto something here is that I achieved my goal. I actually got a refund on that toothbrush, even though I. I didn't know how to say toothbrush or refund. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is when you realize that language is about communication and it's not about this thing of getting it right or wrong, that's when everything changes. And that's when you can, you can see that as long as you can understand most t- things or partially what people are saying and you can piece things together, as long as you can express yourself to a certain degree, then it becomes a lot more realistic. When people see mm. speaking a language as uh, mimicking what the guy on the news, uh, who's reading the news is, is doing, and like a machine gun of words coming out of his mouth, that feels like that's, that's centuries away, and it's going to be so much work. But you, like anyone, can speak caveman Spanish. So I would invite people to do that. Mm. And then at that stage, it's a bit easier to speak basic conversational Spanish. And it's a lot easier to break it up into multiple steps and multiple milestones that you can actually reach.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. I love it. You brought up two things for me. One, um, the biggest tip that one of the biggest tips that came out of um, that series that I mentioned of all these people learning different languages is you have to just not have any shame. And that's Mm -hmm. a big thing. It's really easy to say that it's totally different to live it. (laughs) However, when you get that feeling like you just did where something's working, it lights you up. Does it not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I tell you, when it comes to having no shame, the the, the one way that's helped me uh, to, to reach that goal is instead of thinking of it as, I, you know, I need to speak Spanish as well as I can, I, I turn it on its head. And I think to myself, today, my goal is to make at least 200 mistakes <laughs> and if that's if that's what you're aiming for if you are aiming to make mistakes the only way to do that is to start speaking and using the mm-hmm. language and that mm-hmm. way there's no shame because you're you are achieving your goal and that, that helped mm-hmm. me a lot i just saw mistakes as a natural part of the process and yeah. they truly are you have to you have to embrace mistakes you have to realize that this is just the way to do it. And this is the way you learn your native language. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't scold children when they misconjugate a verb. You, you congratulate them. And this is actually what happens. I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves. We imagine that if we speak this imperfect uh, version of the language, that, they, that we're going to offend these native speakers. They're going to laugh at us yeah. or they're going to be mad at us. And as you know, when you go to so many countries, they are incredibly grateful that you're actually giving some time to speak and learn their language. So it's the opposite. You get congratulated for your effort. And it's uh, it's really motivating.
1: Completely. It's these mistakes are just obstacles in the right direction, in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're moving there. You got to live and learn and you'll get there. I love it. This is like already motivating. I'm thinking of like the fifth language that I'm trying to learn right now. And, um, I'm going to get there, you know, like the, the grammar is harder, but
0: which language is this?
1: It's German because it's the first one. That's not romantic for me. Mm -hmm. It's not a romance language. So
0: keep in mind that German is closer to English. So when it comes to, so one thing that I Is do, that whenever I thing? start, <laughs> yes, yes, whenever I start learning any language, there are lots of ways people can uh, tell you that it's a hard language. And 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 like in many cases, when I'd announce on, the, on my blog, I'm going to learn this language, then everyone would say, oh my God, that's the hardest language in the world. And I would learn the hardest language in the world, like 20 times. And, and people don't really understand Mm. what superlatives actually mean when it comes to uh, Mm -hmm. defining how difficult things are. But -hmm. effectively, I do the opposite and I try to see why is it easy? So I'll give you a few reasons why German is easy. Okay. Firstly, if you want to think of a lot of words uh, that are simple and more immediate, like parts of the body, these are effectively the same as in English, you know? Um, so you have "fus" and you've got mm-hmm. hant, you've got like all of these things that are uh, more primal words, whereas in Romance languages, it's the opposite. Because of how the uh, Norman conquest of England worked and French and kind of infused into England, it's actually the case where more complicated words tend to be the same in Romance languages you know, scientific terms, words that end in Asian and so on. In German, it's the simpler words, it's colors and so on. Yeah, now, that's, that's what, one part of it. The next thing is um, people complain, oh, German words are so long. And I I actually think that if you look at it the right way, this is really good because if you are trying to learn a new word and you come across it, what German tends to do is it tends to actually use uh, base more, more simple words core words to explain what this next word is Mm -hmm. and if when you see it for the very first time even if you have a minimal amount of german you can actually extrapolate what that word means whereas if you see the a word in french for the first time and you've never come across that word before and it's not a cognate with english then you cannot actually figure that out unless you have some background and, um, you know, the word origin or whatever. Yeah. But with German, you can see words and you can understand what they mean. So it's it's a it's a very different to romance languages in that you you don't have the complex uh, words aligning. And that kind of makes us feel smarter in a way when you're learning French and such that, you know, all these really big words already. And that's great. And that's when I'm learning a romance language that's what I do. I try to focus on those positives. But with German, this is the part that uh, is straightforward. And it's, it's a Germanic language. So it's got a lot of things in common with English, like our uh, phrasal verbs that are have a separated, you know, preposition and all these, there's there's all these technical ways that it's, it's closer to English, Mm -hmm. but it's really not that bad. And I, it's one of my favorite languages by far. Yeah. So I think you're going, to you you just got to Don't get too bogged down by the grammar and just speak Tarzan German. I highly recommend (laughs) it. And that's the way you're going to get some um, momentum with it.
1: Tarzan. I love it. I I feel like that's sort of how I speak French right now. At least my French teacher last year probably would have argued for that. She was always getting on me about the grammar because it was the French grammar is hard, man.
0: (laughs) uh, Every language's grammar is hard. I guess. you know, it's, this is this is for me at this stage, I'm completely agnostic when it comes to difficulties of languages. And people always ask me, what's the hardest language you ever learned? And do you know what my answer is? What? Spanish. Because I've it was learned the Hungarian, first one? Yep, I've learned Hungarian. Mm-hmm. I've learned Mandarin. I've even learned a little Quechua, the Inca language. Yeah. And Spanish was the hardest and it's got nothing to do with subjunctives or, yep. you know, um, genders or no nouns. It's just because it was the first one yep. I did. And for those first six months, I didn't feel worthy. I mm-hmm. thought I was an idiot and I thought I would never speak Spanish. And that's what made it harder. Whereas a little confidence and little ability to make mistakes have made every language since then uh, dramatically easier in comparison. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would stop telling yourself, oh, French grammar is hard and oh, German words are long. The, these these kind of uh, in a way, they're self-fulfilling prophecies. And these are yeah. the. Uh, mental roadblocks that are holding you back whereas if you see French is easy because like I said all of the complex vocabulary tends to be the same as in English and um, it's a European language so it uses the same writing system there's a very long list of reasons you can give why French is easy Mm -hmm. and why you could give that German is easy the thing is it's mostly for your own benefit like you would never tell a Parisian why French is easy, because then their their head would explode. You know, the, they they need to feel the pride of that. It, you know, I, I would be like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's the hardest language in the world um, when we're when talking to native speakers, sometimes for their own ego, they they need to hear this. But for your own purposes, all you need to do is tell yourself why it's easy.
1: hmm. I love the mindset. You're, it's very uh, cognitive the way that you're approaching the language.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think as an, uh, as an engineer, I, I, I kind of have this practical way of going about things. And one thing that you said that I think is definitely um, a contrast between uh, where we're originally coming from is you. I think you have this passion for language learning. And I ironically and people are always confused when I tell them this because this is my career. I've written books on it and everything. But I actually don't <laughs> care about language learning. I care about speaking with people. The language Mm -hmm. is just a tool. So I don't get excited about learning new words and grammar and whatever, but I do get excited about the potential of um, being immersed with a group of people, getting to know them, exploring a country in a way that uh, I wouldn't be able to uh, if I was just using English. Mm -hmm. And this is, because that, that end goal is so different, I I just see the language as my tool. So I will bend it and I will uh, morph it in whatever way that suits me until to get to that goal. And I think if people make the language itself the ultimate goal, then uh, it's a lot easier for things like perfectionism to creep in and for them to hold themselves back from speaking it because they're worried about uh, it not sounding so nice. Mm-hmm. But in my case, that's not a problem because I... Uh, Tarzan Spanish at the start is fine because the goal is I want to hang out with these people and I can do that quicker yes. if I say supermarket where instead of excuse me kind sir could you direct me to the <laughs> nearest supermarket please like the fir- the two of them have the yes. e- absolutely equivalent um, core meaning yeah you know but the, the the second one is super complicated and correct or whatever but uh, it might take you years before you reach that point. But i would just have grammatically incorrect sentences and start with that and then with time with practice you'd actually tidy it up a bit and i've reached a stage where i am actually fine with studying grammar i used to find grammar tedious Mm -hmm. but i think the reason for that is because it's um given to us in school at the start um and it's these rules with no context but i'll tell you something with when it came to german uh, because of the approach that I took as an adult, I, I had my Tarzan German for a while. And then when I reached the stage where I was having pretty good conversations, but I really did need to tidy it up because there's only so so far you can get with uh, pure practice. Mm-hmm. I took out a grammar book and I started to use it and I found it interesting. And this is coming from somebody who who absolutely detested grammar in school. But the reason I found it interesting is because it was explaining things that I already heard. I already had the context of, yeah. um, of hearing the, the sentence. And then I, it, it, the grammar would say, explain why the verb goes here. And I'd be like, uh, like a light bulb would go mm-hmm. off in my head. That's why they say it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's so much better. To uh, I would always tell people when it comes to things like grammar, postpone that. It's not that you never learn it is that you learn it when it's useful and grammar is not useful at the very start. I
1: love it. But I have to ask, is this when you're living in Germany?
0: Not necessarily. So for a while, I um, my travels were kind of focused around, you know, arriving in the country, getting off the plane without a word of the language and, and diving right in and um, I did that for a while but it it is exhausting and there's lots of downsides to it of course that it's uh, uh, I'd say among probably the hardest one is the social side of it that you uh, immediately know for the first few weeks or months you just are not going to have any real conversations with people unless you give in to the English speaking bubble and that kind of defeats the purpose so what I've been doing now in these recent years has been completely different I actually create a virtual immersion environment and I learn the language before I go to the country. And that way, when I get to the country, I can—I don't have to have my head in any books or getting any lessons and I can just be out enjoying it. So I'm actually very passionately against the idea that you need to go to a country to learn a language because <laughs> uh, I do believe immersion is the way to learn the language. Yeah. But in this day and age, you can get immersed in the language without having to even leave your own house mm-hmm. because you've got... Uh, streamed radio from the country. You could listen to 24 hours a day. You could uh, be jogging with music from that country if you wanted. You can change your Spotify to be the top uh, pop songs of that country. Mm -hmm. Um, You've also got uh, loads of YouTube videos. If you scroll down to the bottom of YouTube, you can change the country settings or it might be in the gear in the top right. And then uh, you'll see whatever the trending videos are in that country. So you can essentially get you know absorb it that way you could change the netflix language but then when it comes to the actual spoken aspect you can use skype or zoom or facetime and connect with people that way and i i would generally uh hire a teacher especially if they are in that country because i can leverage currency differences and it doesn't end up being that expensive if you're paying in dollars and uh, like there you could really have high quality teachers for way, way less than you would pay for private teachers uh, in in expensive cities like New York and Chicago and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's um, I would actually spend at least an hour a day trying to speak with somebody with the same rule. I'm not allowed to use English. Hmm. I have to use the Tarzan version of the language with them. And with this approach, I've had an intensive learning period in the wrong country for several months. And then I arrive in the actual country to travel And I just enjoy it and Mm. I don't have to uh, make it about learning. And like I said, my first experience in a non-English speaking country, I didn't learn the language. I was in Spain for six months and it's 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 all well and good to say, oh, yeah, I'll go to Spain, I'll speak Spanish. But it's very difficult in the moment when you're by yourself in the country and you're tempted by people you can relate to from your home country or who speak your native language. It's just easier to to kind of vent to them in English, Mm. you know? And this is a very tempting bubble that I and many people get trapped in. And Mm. and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have traveled to other countries and ended up in these circles, like people they've met in youth hostels and so on. And and that's just, that's human nature. We wanna be able to have these conversations with people. So being in the country, it's not I always tell people it's not about your latitude or your longitude. It's about your attitude. So it doesn't matter if you're in the country, it matters if you're speaking the language.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. First of all, do you have do you start with any kind of toolkit of words? Like just a few that you always like want to look up before you go to a country or before you speak with someone, or do you just go blind?
0: Going blind does require a lot of, a lot, of, it, it requires taking that risk, and you're more likely to to just have your mouth open and just like nothing happening. <laughs> yeah. So generally, when I you have to imagine the theme of it because people think oh to learn a language there's like there's millions of words to learn and millions of potential conversations and I can there's just no way I can be prepared for that. But I simplify things. When I'm in another country, I generally would go to social events and try to meet people um, who who have shared common interests. And if I'm doing that, the first conversation I tend to have is uh, about me. It's who I am, why I'm in the country, why I'm learning the language. So those are the first things that I learn. I learn the word for Ireland. I learn the word for writer. I learned the word for uh, the language. If I find a teacher online ahead of time, I might actually just work with them in my first lesson for a, a bunch of set phrases for what, I, what is essentially an introduction that I would give myself if I had 30 seconds to um, uh, that I'm meeting somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about that is that is effectively the pin that you're putting in all your conversations And it means that you have something to give you momentum to start with, because otherwise you imagine yourself walking up to the stranger and what on earth are you going to talk about there? And you (laughs) don't have any words and you're not Mm -hmm. prepared. Whereas it's easy if you always say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Benny from Ireland. Where are you from and what do you do for a living? And you just have this effectively a script for these first conversations and I know that makes it feel artificial and so on, but it's it's all of this are you have to see it as stepping stones mm-hmm. because you're you cannot jump in the deep end and have a spontaneous conversation about anything. But you can have predictable conversations as a beginner. And then as you go further along, your conversations can get more unpredictable.
1: Yeah. Um, OK, do you have any go to I guess tool is another good word for it. Tools for when you do have your Tarzan Spanish, you practice whatever your language is actually. And because I I mean, people often express this concern is that the second you say anything, people will just unload on you and just start speaking at you super fast. It's complicated. Um, How do you handle that?
0: Yeah, sure. So I I think of it like imagine like the, like we're having a conversation like right now or, or a conversation on the phone, and I want you to imagine the line is very bad, and you're hearing every other word come through. So we're having a conversation, and, and I say something like dinner, tomorrow, okay, and that's all you hear. Now <laughs> yeah. that that is not what I actually said. I said I said something more complex, but you can piece together that it's very likely I'm inviting you for dinner. I'm asking you if you'd like to come and I'm telling you when it is. There's lots of work. So if you imagine what I'm actually saying is blah, 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 dinner, blah, 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 blah blah, tomorrow. Then that's Mm -hmm. effectively how I look at it. Because, Mm -hmm. yes, when you get a reply from somebody, you have to accept, you have to just let this uh fill your mind that you are not going to understand everything they say back to you that is just a fact of life it doesn't matter um if you've been studying for a few months uh, if if you're an, a beginner in the language you are going to get stumped but what you have to decide is are you going to get stumped to a degree of 100 percent, or are you going to take the little that you do understand and try to extrapolate mm-hmm. and a lot of it is guesswork. And I would guess what they're saying. And sometimes I guess wrong. And that's a fact of life. And you know what, when I've guessed wrong, the earth has not opened up and swallowed me. <laughs> right. I, I have actually survived. And I have uh, lived to tell the tale. It's really not that big a deal. Yeah. So I, I always tell people, just guess. And just try, don't try to understand everything they're saying. Try to understand one or two words. And see what you can do with those one or two words. And then, of course, um, ask them to speak slowly because that's going to make it a lot easier. And when it comes to listening comprehension, the best tool specifically, I would say, is, is anything that you can slow down the audio with. So, for instance, if you uh, go on YouTube, you find a video in Spanish or whatever language it might be, then every YouTube video has the option to uh, play it at half speed. So I would recommend beginners use that a lot. And then there's a podcast series that, um, depending on the language, if people go on my site, they'll see which ones I recommend. Um, then I'll actually tell them this uh, or this this podcast series would separate into language levels. And at the beginner levels, the speakers speak very slowly and they repeat themselves. And uh, it's a lot of hand-holding, but it makes it more... Uh, understandable mm-hmm. and then as they go up in levels they start to they start to speak a little quicker and that's what it comes down to and i think when we speak one-on-one with somebody especially with uh, someone who's who's familiar with talking to uh, language learners they will naturally slow down and they'll naturally use simplified words yeah. that may that make it easier for us to understand and that's okay people shouldn't feel ashamed about that it's it's a part of the learning process but with time, you'll be able to manage more. And yes, some people are not used to speaking to foreigners. So they'll hit you with a machine gun of words and just ask them to speak slowly. And you'll just take a little that you can understand and you'll guess. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll guess right. Maybe you'll guess wrong. But this is all part of that stumbling path towards understanding more.
1: Right. You're checking off your mistakes for the day. It's OK. Yep. Yeah. And you get there and you're, no matter what you're going to learn, your brain is still taking this in. It's going to recognize something next time that you heard this time that you didn't even realize things like this happen for sure. Okay. So how, how do you find these people? You mentioned you will hire people online, uh, to talk to when you're in your home country or your country, wherever, wherever it is that, that the language is not. Um, so how do you find these people? Is this through your website? Uh,
0: no, I mean I, I I have a community on my website, and mm-hmm. and sometimes you can find people that way. But uh, there's a third party service I use a lot called Italki. So that's I T A L K I. And uh, on this service, it's effectively for that purpose that you're matched oh. with teachers who uh, generally have some kind of qualification, like they they've been teaching for a few years or they got a certificate. Um, uh, if you want to get like a, a really professional teacher or if you're on a budget, you can find people who just want to make a little bit of money and they're a native speaker and they're willing to to help you get some practice. And okay. um, you find people in every country in the world. And mm-hmm. it's that that's a tool I've used uh, to learn multiple languages. I've even used it to learn American Sign Language because I would Skype with somebody and have a video chat with them Wow! so the mm-hmm. um the possibilities are endless with with a system like this
1: so what are the languages you've learned what do you consider yourself fluent in
0: uh well if so for me fluency would be social equivalency uh, mm-hmm. it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people a lot of people might think it's mastery in the language and that's fine but for me if i can go to a bar and have a conversation with multiple people and they do not need to slow down for my benefit. Yeah. And they can use slang and they can uh, I could just hang out with them like friends. Mm-hmm. Then I say I, I speak fluently. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that doesn't that there's lots of things that doesn't include like it doesn't mean I've mastered the language. I might still have an accent. I might still make the odd mistake. Mm-hmm. I might need them to clarify themselves every once in a while. Um, but with that in mind, I'd say uh, like five or six languages other than English that I would have at a fluent level. Uh, I've pushed a few of them up beyond where I could work as an electronic engineer in the language. Wow! Uh, but to be honest, that's uh, it's 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 great that I can I can have these uh, more professional level conversations. It's the kind of thing people always imagine themselves aiming for, but realistically. The, especially as someone who travels, that level of um, social equivalency is all you're ever going to really need for the most part. Yeah. unless you unless mm-hmm. you really plan to be a professional in that language. Um, I found that the uh, being able to socialize is all I'm, I'm ever going to need. And that is that makes it a lot more achievable. So d- people should never uh, get bogged down with how you're never going to achieve a level of absolute mastery, you're never going to be bilingual if you're an adult. I mean, that's neither here nor there, but who cares? Like, you'll have an accent, but you'll be able to interact with people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's uh, five or six languages there. But then over the last 16, 17 years, I think I've dabbled in maybe 40 languages. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I've wow. uh, not maintained them. I've For some of them, I did reach a... Basic conversational stage, maybe uh, where if someone spoke slowly with me, I could keep up with them. But I wouldn't be able to do that right now because the thing is, when you get to these kinds of numbers, it's not a case of you've learned the language and then you know it forever. You need to be constantly maintaining it. So I've had to accept some languages that I put a lot of work into and I could have conversations in that because I just don't have the time to be maintaining everything that I've had to let it slip away. So, uh, it's kind of the polyglot curse as it were, you know? Yeah.
1: Right. If it, if you don't sharpen it, it kind of just gets dull. And yeah. Yeah. When I, um, when I left, I was only in Brazil for one month. This was, uh, wow. 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, but in one month, I was really fluent. Like, I was fully conversational, able to explain my problems at airports, you know, like issues with logistics and travel and all these things, high stress, completely fluent to the point where I was like standing next to myself, looking at myself like, wow, I, I can't even believe I, this is happening right now, but it's because I was, you know, obviously fully immersed. It was one month, but that was 11 years ago. And so if I were to try and pick that up again today, it would take me a few days to get back into it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, it's still there. I know it's back there. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, a
0: absolutely. Good... And I, and it's the same for me. There's there are languages like Hungarian, for instance, mm-hmm. where I did reach a, a a conversational stage, not fluency, but conversational. And then, and that was a very long time ago. But then a few years ago, I went back to Budapest and I was able to Mm. uh, get to a pretty decent stage in just a couple of days because I was reactivating all of this work that I had done previously.
1: That amazes me. And I know you're not so what is the word I'm looking for? Um, a fan of the word difficult. But if you guys aren't aware, Hungarian, I think literally is one of the most difficult languages to nah, learn. They say this. Okay, nah. I love your they mindset, this, but I'm just going to say, say this.
0: And I, I literally have written a blog post why Hungarian is easy. I love this just, so much. Just because really? I, I, I found it so hilarious. It's yeah. got this. It, so like, for instance, one thing they say is it's got so many um noun declensions like you've got accusative, nominative, and vocative <laughs> and all of these things. And uh, like it's so funny when they say that, but then in practice, all that is is that you're adding the preposition to the end of the word. Right. So Grammar. you're putting in at the end of the word. So in Budapest is Budapestin yeah. instead of in Budapest. And and that's it. But then okay. technically because it's attached to the word, it counts as uh, the word being declined. But it's like that's that's grammatical nonsense. It's it's super easy. It's not that bad.
1: <laughs> I love it's, it, though, really, because because Hungarian and what I think Finnish is the closest uh, language just in what? coming from close to the same tree as Hungarian, it's very unique in the world. And so there's this huge reputation around it that it's it's this big, bad, scary language. And here you come along and say it's easy. And I love it. I really do. I think it's really inspiring.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, I, and as I say, I want to make it clear. I think it's easy, period. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. easy for me and I'm so mm-hmm. smart. Right. Like I I would argue with people like why it's easy in general, <laughs> but again, this is the kind of thing that uh, Hungarians take a lot of pride in how unique their language was. So I learned very quickly that this was something more for my own personal motivation, and I would not have these arguments with Hungarians because yeah. I would not make friends very quickly that way. Mm. You have to, you have to with the native speakers, you have to be like patting them on the head and being like. Sure, you have the <laughs> hardest language in the world. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. Um, okay, so can you li- let let's? Um, can you list off your fluent languages right now? Can we just hear uh, what you what you speak?
0: Yeah, so uh, Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, German, and Esperanto yeah. would be my languages.
1: I love that you learned Esperanto. That makes me want to learn Esperanto. When you told me that at the conference, it, it was as if a door was open that said, "Yes, you're allowed to learn this language because it's kind of archaic, but it's you—it's like universal,
0: right?" Yeah, it's its a a—it's got a lovely story behind this, which I think in itself is not a, enough of a reason to learn the language. But they—they they wanted there to be a universal second language. And this was actually back when French was the universal second language. And people thought that's not fair, because if you're not a if you're a native French speaker, you have an, you've an advantage. And if you're not hmm. a native French speaker, then you have to learn this somewhat complex language uh, to be able to speak with people who aren't French. So they figured, why not have an easy language? And they based it on a mixture of European languages. And I, um, I like I said, I'm not somebody who's interested in languages Uh, as their own goal. So for me, learning Esperanto was actually because there are communities around it. There are Hmm. uh, gatherings of people who have this international mindset that I I definitely jive with. And I wanted to hang out with those people. Uh, So Esperanto was my tool to do that.
1: That is so cool. It's, I, this, I've never had a conversation like this one today about language. And trust me, I've had a lot of them. Um, so thank you because you are, I, I just, I love your outlook and the way that you approach it and how you're kind of just playing with it and how your motive really is connection. It's communication. It's it's people. And I find that really beautiful, not to be cliche, just it's amazing. I really have appreciated this conversation and like your whole outlook on this, this, this um, subject. It's It's so interesting to me. I really hope everyone else is enjoying this too.
0: For me, languages were out of reach for me. I did poorly in school and I I had told myself over and over again, you suck at languages. And I've learned through this process that that's not true, but it's not just that it's not true for me. It's not true as a concept. And I'm really passionate to get this message to other people and to show them that Uh, I wanna bring language learning down from its pedestal. And I think there's a certain aspect that people feel proud that they've achieved fluency in the language. So in a way, it helps your ego if it's maintained that it's a super hard thing that only an exclusive few can do and like it's, it makes me sound so smart because i'm one of the few people on earth who can learn another language and i hate that i hate mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. like i want to take it off that pedestal yeah. i want to show everyone that it's it's accessible yes. it's fine if you make mistakes and i got into it as an adult this is not something where there's a cut off age and um i i would argue uh, encouragement very passionately to people
1: i love it thank you yeah I'm with you. I'm so with you on that. Um, all right. So, just for the sake of time, where where can people find you online if if they're yeah. interested in following your story and your travels and your language hacking
0: mm-hmm. missions? So, um, I am on, uh, t- as I like to call it, Twinsta Snap um, <laughs> oh. uh, at Irish Polyglot. That's that's where I am, on all the all the social media. Uh, Irish polyglot. Okay. And um, by about now as we're live, I would have uh, just released some fun videos people should check out on my YouTube channel. I upload loads of videos. that I try to make language learning fun and use languages in fun ways. So I have sung some songs from the movie Aladdin in <laughs> the translated Disney versions uh, while also acting out uh, the characters. So they can find that by going to benny.tube. T U B E, just type that into your browser. It'll redirect you to my YouTube channel, and of course, um, people go to my blog. That's just called "Fluent in Three Months," and I'm sure uh, you can have a a particular page that uh, people can go to where they can find things more relevant to uh, being uh, your listeners. Of course. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. I can uh, I can put those on the show notes page. Sure. Well, okay, let's, let's do one last question just to leave people with either the best advice that was given to you or your best advice that you can give to people, um, when it comes to language.
0: Okay. Um, I would say to, to be concise, there are seven days in a week and someday is not one of them. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. So don't, don't wait to learn a language someday. People always tell me I'd like to learn Spanish someday. Forget that. Just start right now. Mm-hmm. Make mistakes. Don't make it about a perfect mission to master the language. Like today is the day where you can learn 10 words and then you can speak those 10 words to another person. Mm-hmm. It's really not that bad.
1: I love it. All right, Benny. I really appreciate your time. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your mindset with us
0: yeah i appreciate it and i hope people enjoyed it
1: i do too yeah i'm sure they did i'm gonna have to follow some of your stuff and um and keep this in mind when i went when i go to speak my tarzan german i'm gonna just there you go make it happen thanks benny
0: uh-huh. no worries
1: so what did you think inspiring Did it open your mind at all about your potential for communicating in another language? I hope that it did. Somewhere in there, you heard us mention that Benny has a website and that he helps others follow in his footsteps of learning to communicate in other languages. And he does that through his Fluent in Three Months program. Um, So if you want to learn more about that program, you can actually start with a free course that he created that he offers called Speak in a Week. And you can find that at jumppodcast.com slash fluent. It'll take you straight there. And on that note, you probably just noticed that new URL, jumppodcast.com. From now on, you can use that to access show notes as well. So again, you can find Benny's free speak in a week course at jumppodcast.com fluent. So thanks again to Benny for sharing his super open-minded perspective and positive mindset around polyglotism and learning to communicate in other languages Uh, And stay tuned because in the next episode, we have another intriguing conference attendee whom you might actually recognize uh, from TV. So thanks again for listening today. And I will see you guys right back here soon.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas?